Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 I'm Peter Dyer of the Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. A little bit of a respite today, but it's meant to be sunny this afternoon. It's supposed to be, yeah. And we've had an absolutely glorious week since we last spoke, haven't we? It's been yeah. like living in the Mediterranean. It's been, it's been terrific. But I mentioned, because a couple of listeners asked me to ask you about it, the possibility that there's going to be a hosepipe ban. And I was talking about Irish Water. They are expecting uh, to introduce a hosepipe ban, firstly in Dublin, but it could be extended around the country because Aaron Aaron's saying there's no significant sign of any rain on the way. If there is a hosepipe ban, what does it do for the gardens? Well, it depends. If we get the, the summer of, was it two or three years ago, do you remember those record-breaking temperatures? And we had, we had, I think, four or five months with little or no rain. That 2018. Year, 2018, yeah. yeah. And if we get something similar this year, I mean, it will have an effect, but it, we should all be, you don't need me preaching from the pulpit, but we should all be obviously conserving our rainwater anyway. We should have rainwater but, um so if if we could, those of us that are that are harvesting rainwater will be will be smugly smiling at the rest, and I don't include my myself in that. I mean, I'm not really, um, but those those that are harvesting their own rainwater will will certainly be smiling smugly at their neighbours as the gardens are are going brown and drying around them. Um, so yes, I mean it's hard to say, obviously, because who knows? This is Ireland in two weeks' time. We could be giving out about the rain. Yeah. But uh, as of now, yes, this weather continues. It is going to have a, a, an effect. One thing you can do to reduce, like when you're in a situation like this, you can use plants that are suited to these conditions. In other words, drought-resistant plants. So a lot of alpines and succulent plants will be drought-resistant. Also, a lot of plants with silver and grey leaves. Science isn't 100% sure as to why it works, but the the grey and silver leaf plants uh, tend to to lose water through transpiration less than green-leaved plants, and so they tend to be better for periods of drought. And the last thing you can do is just mulch around your plants because you're, then you're reducing water loss from the soil through evaporation. So just mulch with the bark or even homemade compost, anything just to, just to kind of, you know, put that barrier over the soil to, to lessen the amount of water. That's a good idea. That's good. And then I was mentioning the point, you know, waste water out of your sink, you know, get smart Absolutely. with how you're using your water. Yeah, grey water as it's referred to, Trish. That's, a, that's absolutely ideal. It's not ideal for, for us humans, obviously, for washing or drinking, but it's perfect for the garden. 
So, so old dishwater, anything like that, can be used in the garden. Yeah. Okay, let's get straight into uh, a huge amount of questions. We won't get to all of them, but we'll do our best. Helen in Bishopstown, could you ask Peter? She has holes in her hydrangea leaves and the flowers of her clematis, Nelly Mosa. What could be eating them? She can't see anything obvious and the roses haven't been affected at all. Even if you can't see anything obvious, it's still most likely slugs. Uh, and you don't you don't always see them obviously unless you're you're actually standing guard twenty four seven. But um, so I would use a good organic uh, slug pellet, one containing ferric phosphate. I've often mentioned the bad guys in your program, Trish. That's the slug pellets containing metaldehyde. Please don't use them because while they are toxic to the slugs, they're also toxic to surrounding wildlife, birds, hedgehogs, even domestic pets, and even us humans. So certainly don't use slug pellets containing metaldehyde. Uh, particularly if you're using using them around edible plants, certainly don't. They're banned in a lot of countries, but unfortunately still freely available in Ireland. So an organic slug pellet, one containing ferric phosphate, are used slug traps. You fill a little slug trap with beer, Trish, and the, the slug is attracted, mm. and that will kill them. And there are barrier products, but I, I would suspect from, from the holes in the hydrangea leaf and the clematis flowers, most likely slugs. It could be a caterpillar, but more likely to be slugs. Oh, and you've just answered Catherine, who on WhatsApp wants to know, could you know what slug pellets are safe for birds? So yes, any of the, the organic ones? Any yeah. the organ- okay, and stay with Helen in Bishopstown, because her wisteria is almost finished flowering. Can she cut it back now? And if so, how hard? And the clematis montana finished flowering. Can she cut that back as well? Well, the Clematis Montana, yes, absolutely, and it's a stunner. It's just finished, well, I suppose it's finished flowering in my own garden about two weeks now at this stage, but it was absolutely magnificent. It just does the heart good to see it in full bloom. So, yeah, and there's a, a very technical way to, to cut back the Clematis, and we call it hacking. So hack it back now. It's not technical at all. Cut it back as hard as you want. Uh, and it, it produces an early flowering Clematis, so it produces next year's flowers on growth that is produced this year. So the sooner you cut it back, the more growth you'll have and the more flowers you'll have next year. The later you cut it back, the more more risk you have of removing next year's flowers. It do it sooner rather than later. The wisteria, I'd leave it another, another few days, maybe a week or so, just get the last bit of colour out of it. Uh, you can cut it back then, only if it needs it, I'd suggest. And what you're doing is it's not quite as, as, as uh, wanton, if you like, as it would be with the clematis. So you do identify your main stems on the wisteria. And then you reduce the, the shoots that come off that. They'd be the side shoots and the flowering shoots. Reduce them. It's hard to describe it over the radio, Trish, but if you identify your main shoots that are running along the side of the wall or the building or whatever it is, uh, and then if you look at the, 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 the growth and the stems that are coming off those main shoots, well, reduce those side ones to about six or eight inches from each main one. Uh, it will then produce more growth this, this, uh, this spring and summer, or this summer, so you'll give it a light trim back again then around September, October. But for now, just keep it in check. Cut it back to within about eight inches of, of the main shoot, the main oh. stem. OK, Carmela has emailed us to say, uh, uh, Hi, Peter. I've recently switched from using a petrol lawnmower to a robo mower, and I've never seen so many buttercups on the lawn as of present. I'm wondering, is it normal when using a robo mower? And if so, how do I tackle this new weed problem? Thank you, okay. Carmela. First of all, first of all, no, it's 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 not normal, and it's purely coincidental. I would say that you're using the robo more, and that this has happened. Second thing is, it's not a weed; it's a buttercup. It's gorgeous, it's lovely. Well, um, when I saw Carmela's email, the first thing I've I've noticed this year more than ever, I've got buttercups on my lawn. Never seen so many buttercups. I have seen them everywhere, and I too. think they're a joy. They're beautiful. Yeah. I think. So, how do you tackle the weed? If you look at it as a weed, 
if, I, as I've always said, I was only thinking the other day, Tricia, we've been doing this piece with you for over 20 years, yeah. believe that. Yeah. Uh, and I remember back back then, I used to kind of tongue-in-cheek and I'd nearly be embarrassed to say, you know, learn to love the weed. But now I'm not. I'm kind of screaming it from the rooftops. Don't be embarrassed. Don't don't be afraid to, to recalibrate our, our perception on what is beautiful. Um so I love looking at buttercups and daisies now and dandelions in the lawn. I see them as kind of life-sustaining because they're keeping the bees going. I just see them as beautiful. Um, so le- the, the lecture is over. So if you <laughs> see them as beautiful, great. But if you can't and if you still see them as a weed, really the only thing to do with buttercups is to get out there, I'm afraid, by hand. And there is no magic wand. There are chemicals out there. But we, as far as I'm concerned, the discussion on using them is finished. We cannot use these garden chemicals because we're doing far too much damage. And if this microscopic molecule which is travelling the world and has stopped the world over the last few months has taught us anything, it's taught us the importance of everything in the natural world. So we can't randomly go out blanket bombing the lawn with, with chemicals that are going to damage things. So I'm afraid the only way to deal with it is to get out there by hand and, and get it out. It, it, it's, it, you will get it, you will get on top of it, it is going to be a bit of work, but you know what, there's great therapy in that work and don't be afraid of it. Get down the hands and knees, get a hand trowel, a hand fork, dig them out, It'll take you a few hours or maybe a few days, depending on the size of the lawn. But you will get it out, uh, and then you will have a perfect lawn again. Our Lord to love the buttercups instead. All right, there you go. Breida in y'all has an orchid. What do you suggest? She feeds it with. It is flowering. She has it now for one year. Well, she's done well keeping it for years. So I would say what what what, she, what Breida is doing is to keep at it. Once the flowers finish on the orchid, and I'm guessing it's what we call a, a phalaenopsis or the moth orchid. Um, which are the ones that you'd often see as houseplants in garden centres and, and supermarkets. And they really are gorgeous, gorgeous houseplants. So when the flower dies, just don't remove the whole stem down to ground level. If you follow that stem down a bit, you'll see uh, what's called a node. It looks like a little kind of, I don't know how you describe it, a kind of clearly like a band-aid around, halfway around the stem, a natural band-aid. So that's a node, and it's at that node that another flower shoot will be produced from. So you just cut back as far as that node. Water it as Breeda has been, so whatever way Breeda has been doing it, continue that. Uh, stand it like in a, in a bowl of water for about half an hour, maybe once a week, that kind of way. Let it take up what it needs and then, then take it away again. Uh, and maybe just a, just a shot of, I would use the Biogold, which is a house plant food. It's an Irish one, Biogold, and I find that very, very good. So a couple of drops of that uh, into, the, into the water and into, into the orchid. Maybe, I don't know, once a fortnight for the next few months and then leave alone again. Okay, John in Boston, is it too late to plant cucumber seeds in a greenhouse? I'd say no. You're going on for being a bit too late, yes. But uh, the worst worst case scenario is you have cucumbers a bit late. You have the greenhouse. So I'm thinking of the other side of the earth, Rich, when the temperatures drop at the end of the summer. The fact that you're in a green, that the fact that you have them in a greenhouse means that they, they should be protected from any frost. So it just, I would plant away. Do it plant away. in no time at all now. Mary Amalo has geraniums since last year. They've gone what she describes as a bit leggy and untidy looking. Can she trim them back without doing any damage to the plants? Well, yes, you can at this time of the year. You can. Um, I w- you do want to leave, if possible, some, some foliage below where you've cut. So in other words, if they've gone leggy, and I can picture them, I can imagine them because it happens to all of us. So if you cut back below the foliage to ground level, you'll probably very possibly kill them. So if you just cut back to the bottom leaf on each stem, then that will encourage more greenery and more leaves below that, and then you can cut it back a bit harder at that point. Sean in Castletown Bear, uh, he is putting down mulch on a vegetable patch. Is it likely to stunt the growth of the vegetables? He is going to plant spinach and kale. Well, it depends what he's using as a mulch. Um, 
Uh, no, the answer really is no. And I mean, mulch would be one of the one of the, the things that I would recommend, uh, uh, as, as I did at the start, in terms of retaining water or, or slowing down water loss through evaporation. And it's also obviously your, your most organic weed control around vegetables. It's not going to stunt them, but I would look at using a very fine mulch. You can use, as I say, homemade compost as a mulch. Don't use gravel, I would say, on a vegetable patch. That would stunt them or could stunt them. But uh, if you're using a bark as a mulch, try and make sure that there's a super fine bark out there. It's from GrowWise. And they do a very, very fine bark. It's nearly soiled. So that's brilliant because it's not too coarse or too big to, to interfere with any of the seeds, the veg seedlings. And it'll break down into good humus for the soil very quickly as well. And gorgeous spinach and kale. It'll be fantastic oh. when it's grown, Sean. Um, and in Formoy, when is the best time to take cuttings from a laurel hedge? And when can she prune her camellia? Just before I do that, talking about spinach and kale, I have to give a quick shout out to the, the very good people in uh, Brown Envelope Seeds down there by Skibreen, uh, uh, Madeleine McKeever and, and Holly Cairns. Uh, they, they very kindly sent me up some seeds last year, which I only got around to sowing this year, and I have been enjoying the most delicious organic salad leaves and wow. beetroots. I'm beginning to enjoy the beetroots, but I've been having salad leaves throughout this lockdown. I've been having the fresh. So thank you very much, and they're, 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 they're gorgeous. Uh, and in fact, Brown Envelope are the only people who do... Um, Irish, genuinely Irish uh, organic vegetable seeds in the country so fabulous down there. But anyway, moving on to the next question, Trish, sorry, did you say it to me again? Uh, it was a when to cut back a laurel when to take cuttings from a laurel hedge and when to cut back a camellia. Okay. Uh, you could take cuttings from the laurel hedge I would say give it another few weeks so the end of this month uh, onwards to the end of August. Uh, take four or six inches of this year's growth make sure again that you're at the base of the cutting is at a node so that the gardening question. I have a large bush of wild blackberries in my new house. The berries are very hard and green. Is there anything I should be doing for them? It's a new house and I've never had a wild bush of blackberries before. There you go. <laughs> They're wild. Leave them off. They'll do their own thing. Nothing at all you need to do to them. Don't interfere with nature in this in this one. Uh, and you'll have gorgeous blackberries. They'll rip the hand off you, of course, when yeah. you try to pick them because they're wild. Uh, but you will have gorgeous blackberries. Leave well alone. Don't go feeding. Don't go anything. They'll be absolutely fine. But you'll, you'll be waiting realistically, I suppose. It's August, really. Certainly late July. Yeah, before, before the, the Yeah, and then they'll be gorgeous. You've got big jam and everything with it. Oh, Question for Peter. We an old-fashioned climbing rose. Mine has gone... Mine has something like a white coating on the leaves. Should I do anything with them? They're growing mad. Do I cut it back a bit? They are behind a low entrance wall. Best thing to do there, Trish, I think, is to take a picture and send it in to yourselves. And I'll have a look at it or send it to myself on Facebook, The Irish Gardener, and I'll have a look at it. It's very possibly mildew, uh, and my advice then would be to, to remove as much of the infected growth as possible, hopefully it's not the whole plant, and then treat it with a drench of, of copper sulfate and water, uh, which is a good organic, broad-spectrum fungicide, and that will control it. Um, but do send us in a picture first, just to be sure. Hi, Peter. There are several new shoots growing from the base of my apple tree. They are woody and well-rooted. Do they need to be cut away, and if so, how? 
the Woody and Well Rooted. So that sounds like they're suckers, a sucker growth. So they're coming from kind of below the soil as opposed to the, you know, as opposed to the trunk. So yes, if they're suckers, I would remove them. Uh, it's not rocket science, really. Ideally, ideally, what you need to do is kind of go under the ground a bit, find where the suckers join to the root, and cut it down to that at that point. Just cut it at the root, because the way apple trees are grown, Trish, is they're grafted on root stocks. So it's the the grafted, but the root stock determines the overall vigor of the of the, the, the plant. So in other words, you could have a dwarfing root stock, or a semi dwarfing, or or a large. So that will determine the overall height of the tree. And on that rootstock, you graft your variety. It might be Beauty of Bath or uh, Pink Lady or Granny Smith or whatever. So they all get grafted on the rootstock. And it's not the Granny Smith or the Pink Lady that determines the, the overall dimensions. It's the rootstock. So what hap- what's happening here is the growth from the root system is before it goes into the, the grafted variety, if you understand what I mean, it's producing shoots, rootstock growth, which we don't want because that could be just a crab apple or a wild apple beautiful in their own right, but they're not what you want in this situation. If you don't take action, uh, the graft eventually will fail and all the growth will go into the rootstock oh. and you'll be left with the crab apple again. Okay, so get rid of... Get rid of them, yeah. Get rid of Catherine in Dunmanway. My laurel hedging is shedding a lot of yellow leaves and as fast as I'm clearing them, any breeze, and there's as many again. It's covering my rockery at the back of my house and they're all over the backyard thanking you in advance doesn't say how how old that hedge is, how established it is. I wonder if it's a new hedge. Uh, it sounds to me that, like drought, believe it or not, like that laurel is, is a pretty foolproof hedge. They do suffer from fungal infections, certainly. If it's a new hedge, and what I, when I say the word new there, I mean if it's within the last three years, uh, I would say just, again, water, water, water. But if we are going to be faced with this hose pipe ban, uh, mulch it, get out there with a mulch now, mulch around the base of the plants to try and conserve and retain water. If it's an established hedge and it's doing it all of a sudden, it's more likely to be perhaps a bit hungry or perhaps it is a fungal problem. Yellowing isn't normally a sign of a fungal problem. It's more likely to be a a nutrient deficiency. It could be magnesium or nitrogen. I would get out there uh, if it's an established hedge and it's not just suffering from drought. Get out there with the Nature Safe uh, Atlantic Seaweed, the liquid feed. That's a Galway product. um, And it's fabulous. It's made from cold-pressed seaweed from Galway, which means it's the best of the best. Get out there, find a nature-safe liquid Atlantic seaweed feed, treat the laurel with that, and that will do you no end of good. Okay, Pat in Mallow has an oak tree, 25 years old. This year, only about half the leaves formed. Some of the lighter branches appear to be dead. It has weed block and stone chippings around it. First of all, I don't like using weed block around any plants, I'm afraid, because that leads to the soil getting very, very compacted. And the magic that's happening in the soil beneath us is... is can't be, you know, overstated or underestimated. There's, there's soil microbes, there's worms, there's everything doing their thing. And by putting a layer of plastic type material over it, we're completely interfering with that. So the soil ends up getting compacted. I hate to say it, but that's very possibly what could have caused this problem. I can't say what the problem is without seeing it. I wouldn't hazard a guess without seeing it. Your best advice with a tree that age is get a tree surgeon to go have a look at it uh, and to accurately diagnose it. And they'll be able to tell you then whether pruning it uh, will fix it or whether it needs treatment. 
but I couldn't hazard a guess at that, I'm afraid, without without seeing it. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there. Before we do, uh, Philip wants to point out that today is St. Kevin's Day, who was a great man for nature. Uh, he is the patron saint of blackbirds, who are always a very I welcome know that. very That's welcome visitor in the garden. There's a piece Could of I business. very briefly, yes, one thing, Trish, if I may. Uh, I, as you say, we probably didn't get to all the questions, and there's questions coming in hot and heavy to my Facebook page as well. And just an apology to everyone. I'm not, I can't physically obviously get to all of them, but I do my, do my best. And then very briefly, I am ordering my bulbs for the autumn at the moment, and I'm selling some of them through the Irish Gardener online if you want to have a look, because by buying them now, bulbs are like a commodity, Chris, so the sooner we buy them, the better prices we can get them. So if I can order my bulbs now, it's for delivery in the autumn, we all get a better price, and you can do that. And that's on your Facebook page, the Irish Gardener. Okay, listen, have a great week and enjoy the sunshine. Uh, Thanks for that, as is uh, Peter Dowdle of the Irish uh, Gardener. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.